welcome to this week's episode of Life Imitating Movies. This is week 20 that we've been doing this. It's a it's a long time, but pretty solid. Um, so how you been doing this week, Mitch? Not too bad. Looking forward to hopefully uh, a nice little weekend up ahead. So should be fun time. And speaking of that, so a little behind the scenes is we're shooting a little earlier this week. And so with the opening question, um, you know, with the world getting back to normal, I've become a little bit more busy in my personal life. And with that, coming up with an opening question has been, I, I sat there for about 20 minutes trying to think of a good opening question. Eventually I was like, I got to get back to work. So I turned my head, saw a movie and I said, all right, that's the opening question. Now I understand when you sent your sheet back to me, I saw your little stupid question comment next to it. And that was, that made me feel all sorts of good. So I'll just ask, what's your favorite movie based on a TV show? Yeah, so I was just messing with you when I sent that back over to you. But uh, when I was looking up movies kind of based on TV shows, there were a lot of duds out there. I knew a lot of ones weren't really successful where if they were a live action movie adapting an animated series or all these different iterations of movies based on TV shows. And I didn't realize quite how many bad movies there were out there under that category. But... There were a lot of fan favorites, too. And what I mean by that is that a popular TV show that got a movie, you know, a, a essentially a longer episode of the show, something where it's not really a movie in a Hollywood budget and actors and screenwriting sense, but it's a fan favorite like a feature-length animated TV show episode or something. There's a lot of fan favorites out there where fans of that franchise absolutely went to go see one. So I went kind of a more traditional movie based off of a TV show. And, you know, there weren't, again, a, a ton of really good ones, but I think this one is really good, really decent. And that's the movie Get Smart based off of the obviously older TV show, the remake, the live action movie with Steve Carell and Hathaway, among others. But I think it's a, a solid kind of action comedy that has some good humor in it. Yeah, I like Get Smart. And I was like one of the earlier Dwayne Johnson movies, too, where like he he wasn't the lead yet. He wasn't taking on lead roles yet, but that he was in that and he was pretty funny in it. And I mean, I, I don't remember it. Super, I haven't seen it in such a long time. I know they had the spinoff movie with the two like tech agents. That was like a direct-to-video movie. Well, yeah, it wasn't that good. But I, I remember seeing that in theaters and thinking it was pretty good. I, I actually watched the TV show Get Smart because when I was younger, it used to be on Nick at Night. And it was like one of those few old shows that I watched. and was like, that's actually funny. That's actually a really good show. Yeah, the original Get Smart TV show isn't something I really saw on TV that much. I did, again, did the same thing pretty much you did. Older shows that were played on TV, whether my parents were watching them or it was on a channel like Nick at Night or Boomerang or some such like that, where I did watch some older TV shows, but not necessarily that one. But I'm sure the humor is similar and it's a fun premise. So maybe one day I'll go back and I'll watch the TV show. I think the reason I was so intrigued by it originally was knowing that Don Adams, the guy who played uh, Maxwell Smart in the original show, was the voice of Inspector Gadget. And I was a massive Inspector Gadget animated show for forever. So when I when I knew that they were the same guy, I was like, oh, I'm like, I want to watch this show. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good, you know, kind of keeping it on topic because one of those movies based on a TV show was the live action Inspector Gadget with Matthew Broderick. That's more of a nostalgia thing for when it came out as a kid and I liked it, but I'm sure if I went back and I watched it now, it's, it's probably a terrible movie. Possibly. I, I don't even remember anything about Inspector Gadget. I think I remember the cast. It was like Matthew Broderick. It was uh, Harriet the Spy. Michelle Trachtenberg was Penny. And then I think the guy from uh, My Best Friend's Wedding was Mr. Claw. And that's about the extent of my knowledge of that movie. Yeah. So what did you pick as a, a movie for this question? 
So when my head turned and I saw on my shelf the movie, that's just what I went with. It's not my favorite movie, but it's one I remember from when I was a kid that I absolutely loved, which was the Flintstones. I mean, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, I enjoy it, man. I, I still watch it and enjoy it. That's fair. Again, I, I would kind of group that into that category of unsuccessful attempts, you know, alongside some other similar ones to it. But if you enjoy it, then good for you. I personally really like the old Flintstones cartoons. I think they still hold up today, which really says something about them. But I would probably rather watch that instead of the live action Flintstones movie. All right. So the first story of the week is a uh, pretty popular uh, murder trial was Robert Durst. I don't, I'm not sure if you ever watched the, did you watch the documentary, the jinx on HBO when it was out? No, I'll be honest. I'm not a big documentary person. If it's a subject material that I really enjoy, of course I'll watch it. Or if it's a documentary that everyone is talking about, I'll give it a watch. But Honestly, I'm not a huge documentary person going out of my way to watch them. Okay, I'm, I'm a massive documentary fan. I, I absolutely love documentaries. And that one was so good. And it was just great because of the entire documentary became massive because it boiled down to essentially the last two minutes of like, I think, eight episodes, which was where Robert Durst forgot that he had his mic pack on. He goes in the bathroom and he says, what did you do? You killed them all, obviously. And it was like his, it was like his confession after after 30 or 40 years, however long it was. It was like the dude forgot to take off his mic pack and he essentially confessed to what he had gotten away with for so long. It was, it was super interesting. Not to detract from the story, but is it bad that that little story right there reminds me of the naked gun, that scene from the movie? <laughs> No, no. I mean, there you go. Life imitating movies. (laughs) So, yeah, obviously this is a really captivating murder trial, something that I guess I'm not really as up to date as other people on because of this documentary and keeping up with the news, but obviously an ongoing and very interesting story. So we're going to have to see how it develops and hopefully the guy gets some sentence passed on him. I mean, yeah, I, on, in all honesty, the actual trial, I couldn't care less about. It just the documentary was great, and the guy's probably going to die before anything. He's an old dude, but he's like a super rich guy. He's like a real estate guy or something from New York, you know? So it's like, that's why it was a super interesting story and everything when the documentary came out, just because of his kind of social status. And so it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's just the documentary, you don't watch documentaries, but if you ever get into murder documentaries that watch the jinx so with that I'll, uh, I'll i'll toss it to you and see what what movie did you come up with for this so obviously this is a story about a murder trial and there's no shortage of movies based on that or just trials in general but the one i picked is something that i definitely think deserves some more attention where maybe it flew under the radar when it came out a year or two ago and that's the movie extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile and that's the movie about the ted bundy trials and ted bundy is played by zach efron and lily collins stars as the person who was caught unaware that he was a part of this whole thing this investigation and it was just so hard to believe that he was a killer like he was and it's really just a fascinating movie because it lets you look at the human side of him. And I, and I know that's not really a great sell. Oh, let's look at the human side of a serial killer. But it really makes you look into how Ted Bundy was perceived in his trial about how it seems so impossible that he could be a part of the murders that he committed. And Zac Efron, I think, did a really good job in this movie. A lot of people don't really think of him as a good actor or a serious actor. But he certainly sold me with his performance in this one. Yeah, I like Zach. I mean, I love The Greatest Showman is one of my favorite movies. So I, I'm a big Zach Efron fan. Uh, I'll be honest, I have not seen this movie. And I have a reason for not seeing this movie. So I don't know, a while ago, 10 years ago, I wrote a, a serial killer script. Like I have this story in my head. I told it. It's a great script. And then I gave it to my buddy to read. And he was just like, well, this isn't really how serial killers are developed. Because I was obsessed with the notion of like a person becoming a serial killer who has no prerequisites. And my buddy was just like, you need to read John Douglas. You need to read all of his stuff. And so I went back to the drawing board. And I have, if anybody were to look on my computer, they would see 
I have probably 50 pages of notes about serial killers, about BTK, about Ted Bundy, about everything. If you were to look at my computer, you would think I'm a psychopath with these notes. But it's because at some point, eventually soon, I, I actually plan on doing it this year, hopefully. I plan on going back and rewriting this script about my serial killer. And uh, I'm holding off on watching Extremely Wicked until I'm ready to write because I want to like watch all these serial killer type stories and movies and stuff so I can have that kind of like those movies in my head when I start to go writing it. So I've done a lot of research on Ted Bundy, but I have not seen the movie yet. Sure. So obviously this is a, this is actually a Netflix original. So that's the platform. If you're listening, watching this, that you can catch that on or, you know, whatever Avenue you can, you can find it. If you, I don't know if they really sell Netflix movies on, on DVD. That's, that's an interesting discussion for another day, but wherever you can check this out, I would definitely recommend it, especially if you're interested in that subject material. But where did you go? What movie did you pick with this? Because again, there's so many possibilities. So this one is a very specific one. So there's a movie with Ryan Gosling and um, Kirsten Dunst that came out. It's called All Good Things. And it is a movie about Robert Durst. It's, uh, but it's, it's, you know, they changed the names and everything. And the reason I saw this movie originally was Ryan Gosling was on, it came out years before the jinx came out before anybody really knew the Robert Durst story. And Ryan Gosling was on one of the late night shows and he was talking about how they shot a scene in New York and there's a big crowd out watching the scene. And apparently he said the guy who the movie's based on, this guy who supposedly murdered his ex-wife and, and possibly others, was in the crowd watching him film. And that story always stuck with me, just like, oh, that's creepy as hell. And then you watch the jinx, and you're like, oh, this guy is creepy as hell. He's, I can see, I fully understand that this guy was probably just standing there watching him film or whatever. And so it's it's a really good movie. It's a dramatization of this story obviously before the trial before he was arrested or anything and it was actually directed by the same guy who did the jinx so this guy has been obsessed with robert durst forever but it's it's a really good dramatization of the events of robert durst i would watch the movie about that so i would watch a movie being made about them making that movie and following him around watching them film this so i think that would just be a real mind-blowing kind of inception like movie making something about that i would definitely watch that though so it certainly sounds like an interesting film maybe i'll have to check it out it's an interesting concept dude like story of a guy watching that's well, we might have something maybe edit that out so we can have a billion dollar idea down the road but um no if, if you get a chance if you want to if you want to kind of brush up on the durst story if you're interested in all watch a pretty i mean ryan gosling's one of my favorite actors kirsten dunce is great too so it's a good movie to watch so in movie news this week, there's been a development that Timothy Chalamet is going to play a young Willy Wonka in an upcoming adaptation. And I guess kind of how to see his life was early on and how he got his chocolate factory. So let's just get right into it. Brad, what do you think about the idea of this movie? Does it really need to be made? Is this something that you'd be interested in? Because I'm a fan of Timothy Chalamet as an actor, but I don't really think this is a movie that needs to be made. Does it need to be made? No. Will I be seeing it opening night? Of course. It's a Willy Wonka musical. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. So this is a movie for me that's kind of in the same vein as Cruella that's coming out right now. I don't really want this this look about all this backstory for a character that I already know that where we get to know them initially in the original movie, which is what I picked, by the way, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 1971 original. So we did pick the same movie on that. I already think he's more interesting in that setting than his youth. I already like him better when we got to know him in that movie than this origin story that I don't think we really need. So I won't be watching this when it comes out. So when I think about that, my, my thoughts are when Joker was first announced and they said, we're going to get the origin story of Joker, how Joker came to be the Joker. And I, along with everybody else, was like, I don't want to know how the Joker came to be. The Joker is a psychopath 
and I don't need to know what made him a psychopath. And then the Joker came out, and I was like, okay, it was one of the best movies ever made. And uh, I and, and Cruella, man, if you've seen some of these reviews coming out now, it's getting phenomenal reviews. So I'm actually really looking forward to Cruella. And I think Timothy Chalamet is one of those actors. I've, he's done so many different types of roles that seeing him as like a weird, quirky, young, 20-something Willy Wonka, it's an interesting if done well, will be an interesting movie. Sure. So let's let's move on to the movie here. So is this a classic for you? Do do you really like going back and watching the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? I do love the original Willy Wonka. I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, but it's probably because when I was a kid, I probably watched it in a hundred times. It's just it's a classic, and it's having a moment right now. If the new Apple commercial has the you know the Candyman, that yeah. It's a stupid commercial. For people Which I think like, that commercial's stupid because they use that Candyman song in it, and it's really just they change the color of the phone. It really, it's not, it's nothing special. It just, to me, that's a, that's a total misuse of the song, and just kind of robs it of its its magic and its childhood nostalgia from the movie. Well, yeah, we, we can have a whole a uh, whole conversation about how. Apple talks down to their customers by, oh, we just released a new color, spending another five grand on our phone. But that's another story for another day. But no, Willy Wonka is, it's a classic, dude. It's its the songs, the music. I love musicals. The music in it's great. And, and I guess this speaks to your thing, which is Willy Wonka is a super mysterious character. And so seeing how he became so mysterious, it really can go either way with with with. Oh, okay, they ruined it. They ruined the the mystery of the Gene of Gene Wilder's original take on it. Yeah, I think so because when you have an origin story mo- movie like this, you really undermine that mystery of the character that people have come to know and love and hold in such high regards. That's why I just think these types of movies are such high risk, low reward. Where Joker was maybe one in a million because for me, when you look at movies like Cruella or Maleficent, another Disney movie that I think really kind of neutered the the mystery and the evilness of the character. Same thing with the Star Wars prequels, getting to see what Darth Vader was like as a 10-year-old. I don't really want to see that. It, it ruins the character in hindsight a little bit for me. So I do really love the original. I think it's very nostalgic, very childlike wonder kind of filled. And it's a movie that I still really enjoy watching too. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, it's led way to many people calling me uh, Violet Beauregard over the years because they say that I ate a blueberry and blew up. Those are my friends. That's ridiculous. You don't look blue at all. <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. All right. So another story, big sports story this week, kind of, is, you know, last year was supposed to be the 2020 Summer Olympics. They obviously got delayed because of coronavirus. Now they're going to try and get them going this year. But apparently right now, Tokyo, Japan is having a massive coronavirus outbreak. And the United States, they didn't put out a full ban on it, but they just said, we don't think you all should be traveling to uh, Tokyo for this event. And which has the potential of being a, a sizable, bringing back the pandemic full force. When you think about every country in the world descending on one area, that is a massive hotspot right now. Yeah, it's certainly just a very tricky situation, and I'm certainly no expert on how they should handle it or what should be done. Should we have the games? Should we not have any people in attendance? Should we have some athletes but not others? Just, It's a very tricky situation where there don't really seem to be a lot of winners, pun not intended, but it seems like a situation that they're still going to have to work on, and the deadline is closing in for when we might have the Olympics. So again, we'll have to tune in and see what happens. I hope in some regard they still have them, but at this point, maybe it's just a cancellation and we wait for 2022 for the Winter Olympics. But that would certainly be a shame for the athletes and for the different countries that were looking forward to this. So we'll just have to see what happens. So I'm surprised because there's actually not quite as many Olympic movies as I thought there would be. But for my picks, I just wanted to do a quick honorable mention, actually. And it actually is a documentary. We were talking about them earlier, how I'm not a big documentary person, but the movie that I wanted to at least mention was Athlete A. 
which deals with the U.S. gymnastics team and their abuse at the hands of Larry Nasser. And it's just a fantastically made documentary and really kind of captures the stories of his victims and the scandals that were unfolding inside the gymnast USA Gymnastics and the people around it. So I would definitely re recommend looking at that. But the movie that I picked relating to this story was the movie Miracle. And Miracle is obviously the story about the 1980 U.S. hockey team that defeated the Russian juggernauts who were the, the cream of the crop at the time. Again, this movie is called Miracle because this was the upset of all upsets at the time. And I think this is a pretty good sports movie. I think when people talk about sports movies, this isn't really the first one that they mention, but one that maybe not a lot of people have negative things to say about it. Yeah, yeah. For, I've not, I have not seen Athlete. I, I actually didn't know that there had been a documentary made about I know the story of all that, but I didn't see the document. But if you recommend it, I may check it out. I only know what I've seen on the news. As far as Miracle, yeah, Miracle's a great movie. It's, it's one of those classic uplifting kind of sports movies, kind of like an old school sports movie. Kurt Russell. I don't think Kurt Russell's ever steered me wrong in any movie he's ever been in. So... And it's Miracle, you know, because it was dubbed the Miracle on Ice back when it originally happened. So, yeah, it's just a good quality Disney, one of those Disney sports movies. Yeah, and those are definitely varying degree, degrees of quality because I think with the Disney sports movies, sometimes they get them wrong. Sometimes they get them just middle of the road, just okay. But the ones that they get right are the ones that everybody reveres. For instance, Remember the Titans maybe miracle if you want to put that in the conversation but the ones that they get right are the ones that people really love so disney sports movies i would say kind of hit or miss right and so with that i can give my pick because my pick is another disney sports movie with one of my all-time favorite lines which is how about i draw a line down your your head and make it look like a butt and that line comes from cool runnings I mean, it's just, uh, so it's John Candy, uh, any John Candy movie I'm a massive fan of. And, uh, I mean, I saw that movie when I was younger, obviously. And it's a, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great Olympic movie, really. It's a winter Olympic, so it's not summer or anything, but so is your movie, Miracle, the winter movie. And it's just, uh, you know, it's Jamaica, you know, they're running, he takes a tumble, and then they're like, we still want to go to the Olympics, so they decide to do a bobsled. And it's, it's... I, I still watch that movie to this day. I love it. I will say for me, Cool Runnings, I like it, but I don't really have it as nostalgic of a view of it as maybe other people do, where I think it's good, but it's not It's not the sports movie, especially the Disney sports movie that I would watch or I would put at the top of my list. But I understand why people like this one. It seems like an entertaining, funny movie for a lot of people. Again, maybe a little bit of nostalgia factoring in there too. But for me, it's just, it doesn't hit quite as hard, but it's a movie that I see why people like it. Yeah, and it, it follows the Disney mold of it's a feel-good story. It's not like they finished first or anything. You know, it's based on a true story, but it's, it's, got, it's, it's a good story of how when they get there, nobody likes them, nobody takes them seriously, and obviously the, the Germans are kind of the real a-holes in the movie. To the, to the Jamaican bobsled team. And then as the story progressive, they become more accepted and, and, and everything. And, you know, it might, I don't know the actual story. I only know this story through Cool Runnings. Never actually researched the actual story behind it, behind the, I think, 88 uh, bobsled team. So maybe the story is more Disney-fied than it actually was. But I'm fine with that. Great movie. Speaking of another cult classic, they're making a sequel to Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus 2, which is going to have the original cast come back, the original three, and maybe a few others as well. Jury's still out. But this kind of brings up the question, because we've talked about it on the show before, these long gestating sequels that are finally made 10, 15, 20 years after the original that people know and love. Do you think this one's going to be a success? I think it will be. I mean, I, the first one is a Halloween classic, and I, I bought. They made a sequel book that I bought and read, and it's a solid book and everything. So there is, there is a existing good story out there that can be told, and I, I have faith. 
I think it's certainly a possibility, but if history has taught me anything, it's that they don't really get these things right. So this is a very obvious story connecting to a movie. So did you pick Hocus Pocus to talk about as well? I actually went with Schindler's List. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I went with Hocus Pocus. So do you hold Hocus Pocus in the same regard that other people do that are really big fans of it, that, again, it's a cult classic, that really love this movie? I do. I mean, I'm one of those tools. If I'm home on Halloween, I'll throw on Hocus Pocus because it has the Halloween feel. And there is a feel that goes with the movie that not all movies can nail. And that movie does. It's like the trick-or-treating, the fall setting. And it's just, it has that feel. And it's a perfect Halloween night movie to watch. That's fair. This is another cool runnings for me where I was a little bit late to the party and maybe didn't get as invested over the years in this movie as other people. I finally saw it for the first time a few years ago when I went to see it on the big screen that it was playing at a theater. And I enjoyed it. I liked it. I thought it was good. I see why people like it. But I'm more of a scary movie fan around Halloween. I like watching the Halloween franchise on the holidays. So not quite the same hit for me, but I still very much enjoy it. I can understand that. I mean, if watching a kid's movie, an old kid's movie, as a 30-year-old, or however old you were when you saw it, it, it does lose a little something because... You, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have the whole it doesn't have the same punch. You know, I mean, kids movies nowadays, I don't enjoy nearly as much as the dumb crap I enjoyed when I was a kid. So, you know, some of the stupid jokes that are that I love as a kid, I grow up appreciating. And it brings me back to like when I was a kid seeing it for the first time. And if you see a dumb joke as a 30 year old, you're just like, that's dumb. Yeah, so certainly an enjoyable movie, and I'm sure one that gets played over and over again on Halloween every year. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to the sequel. Will it be as good as the original? I I don't think it stands a chance of being as good as the original. Just, as you said, Law of Diminishing Returns, pretty much. It's it's a sequel 30 years after the original. It's not going to have the nostalgia factor that the original had. I just hope it doesn't become something like a good day to die hard where I'm just like, okay, I'm never watching that movie again because it completely ruins the legacy of the original. All right. So my last story this week is uh, another movie story uh, about Josh Hartnett. He he took a little break from acting and now he came back as in the wrath of man, the new guy, Richie film. And so he talks about Pearl Harbor and, and he talks about, uh, how he was scared that Pearl Harbor, he didn't want to be seen as a horrible actor from this movie and everything. It was just, it's an interesting, interesting story about a guy who took a break from acting to kind of raise his kids and everything and come back to it. And he's discussing his previous roles. And, and I I am a big Josh Hartnett fan. I was back in the day. I don't know if you ever saw lucky number 11, but it's like one of my all time favorite movies. And the guy's just, he's a great actor. And I'm glad that he's coming back and becoming more prominent again. Yeah, I don't really think of Josh Hartnett as a bad actor either. I think if you put a good actor in a bad movie and they still commit to the role and really give a great performance, that you can see that it's not their fault that the movie doesn't work. And I think that's the case for Pearl Harbor. I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen bits and pieces, and certainly I enjoy Josh Hartnett's acting too. And I don't really think it's his fault that that movie wasn't quite as successful as people thought it would be, so... I think he's a good actor, too. Yeah, yeah. And I think what – I'm a Michael Bay fan, so I did enjoy Pearl Harbor. I also – I get that there's really two movies in Pearl Harbor. There's the first movie, which is the love triangle, which I felt was trying to be Titanic. And then there's a the second movie, which is The Attack. The Attack – and I think a lot of critics and a lot of people agree with that, that The Attack is awesome. The action of that attack, the the – the fact that it's not green screen, it's 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 a mostly in-camera action and everything, didn't rely on special effects or anything. So, you know, Pearl Harbor, for what it is, man, is a solid movie. So is that the one that you picked relating to this story? I did. I went Pearl Harbor. So, like I said, I have not seen it before, so I couldn't pick it relating to this story. It was the obvious pick, but... What else do you really have to say about the movie? Because I think you pretty succinctly covered it, what people think about it when they see it and when they remember it. But anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, 
just, you know, if, if you ever want to check it out, you know, you have an excuse to watch it every year, December 7th, throw it on on the anniversary of the Pearl Harbor attack and uh, check it out. Seems like a little bit of a morbid tradition, maybe, to watch that movie on the anniversary. But I think you're right. I think maybe the, the attack and the war side of it is maybe more film-like and will appear appeal to a wider audience than the love triangle that they, like you said, tried to make it into Titanic. So with mine, there are no shortage on World War II movies. And this one I just watched the other day for no reason other than I really enjoy it. I've mentioned it a little bit before, but my movie that I picked relating to this story is The Imitation Game, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Fantastic historical drama. As I've discussed on the show before, this is a genre of movies that I really enjoy, these historical drama movies, because they're very well directed, very well acted, very well shot, edited, take your pick. So this is a movie that I really enjoy. Yeah, dude. I think it was Morton Tildum, directed, I think his name is. Um, so The Imitation Game is one of those that was nominated for, you know, a bunch of awards. And that I, I was go- I watched it because it was nominated. And I was like, I went into it going, all right, this movie's going to be boring, man. It's it's about, uh, was it Alan Turing and, and the invention of the Turing machine, I believe is what it's called. And, uh, and then I watched it and I was like, holy crap, it was a phenomenal freaking movie. And so maybe going into it with low expectations made me appreciate it more. But I'm also a huge, uh, uh, I think, was a Kira Knightley. I'm a big Kira Knightley fan. I love Benedict Cumberbatch. So that one was, that for the year it was released, which I can't remember, it, it was one of my big surprises of the year. Just a fantastically made movie. I believe it came out either 2014 or 2015. So maybe not quite recent, but not quite that far in the past. But I think, again, just a very well-made movie, a lot of maybe Oscar-worthy performances in there, and a very important story to tell that I really wasn't aware of before I had seen the movie either. Yeah, when it came out, my mom had told me that when she started in her career, she was she worked on a, on a, uh, on a Turing machine. So in wrapping up our lighthearted stories from the past week, this Aaron Rodgers drama continues to unfold where he didn't report to OTAs with the Green Bay Packers. And where do you th- what do you think is going to happen? Is he going to be with the Packers when the season starts? Is he not? It's, it's an interesting series of events, but it seems like almost two divorced parents trying to agree on something but just quite can't. Yeah, I mean... It seemed like most teams that need a quarterback drafted a quarterback this year. So I think the demand for a Rodgers trade definitely went down after this was a quarterback heavy draft. Um, I'm, I know that there was rumors that the 49ers uh, were, I wore my wrong hat. I'm also a chief fan, uh, but it was rumors that the 49ers were going to take, uh, I have a reason, but we won't get into it. The 49ers were going to do a trade for, uh, with Garoppolo and Rogers and all that. And then um, they ended up taking Trey Lance. And honestly, after seeing, after doing my research on all that, I like the Trey Lance pick, but with Rogers, I, I think he's going to be a Packer because I think the demand for him went down. He wasn't he the MVP last season or am I making that up? Off the top of my head, I can't say for sure, but he is certainly obviously a guy that a lot of teams would like to have in their roster. Probably every single team in the NFL, if they were given a free Aaron Rodgers, would not turn it down. Yeah, without a doubt. And so I don't see, let's say this thing goes to the, you know, the 11th hour. I don't see him sitting out the season because as a quarterback, as an aging quarterback, it's not like a young a young receiver, a young running back missing a season. And then potentially, you know, they still have so many more years, a quarterback, an aging quarterback missing a season. You're going to feel that the following season, you're going to, it's, you're going to, you're going to feel that. So I don't see him sitting out the season. I, and unless there's some blockbuster trade, coming, but I can't think what team would actually, because they're going to have to give up a lot. Any team that wants them is going to have to give up a lot to get a Rogers. I don't know. I don't see any team right now giving up the future of their franchise to get Rodgers. Right. So this is an ongoing situation. We'll see what happens with it. So 
where did you go with this with a movie related to this story? Because I have an idea of one in mind that relates to it, but I want to see what you picked. So I tried to do some research. I looked at I looked at Aaron Rodgers' IMDB page. Dude isn't in any movies. So then I was sitting there looking, I was trying to figure out some Green Bay Packer movies. And then I was like, there's one movie that is directly related to the Green Bay Packers. I, I, I don't know if we have the same one, but that, that is pitch perfect too. Oh, is that what you picked? <laughs> That's the same movie that I picked as well. And I didn't even have to research this one. This was the first one that came to my mind hearing a story about the Green Bay Packers. And I thought there wasn't really a chance that you would have it. But again, being a fan of musicals, I thought, well, maybe there is a chance he picked this movie as well. Oh, yeah. Musicals. And come on, Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick is the greatest, greatest actress to ever live. Um yeah, no, Pitch Perfect too. I mean, when you saw um, whatever his face is, Clay Matthews and all of them show up, and uh, and it was pretty funny, and they sing, uh, I forget what they sing, but it was a funny scene at the little riff-off scene that they have in the, in the second movie, and yeah, I enjoy it, man. I love the Pitch Perfect movies. Well, because I don't know if you knew, not only were the Green Bay Packers, a handful of them at the time were in the movie, but Aaron Rodgers' brother, Jordan Rodgers, was among them. He's not really kind of prominently featured in the shots, but if you're looking for him, you can find him. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't even know what that guy... Wasn't he a bachelor or something? That's about the extent of what I know about his brother. Yes, and he also had a little bit of professional experience, not quite the same as his brother, obviously. But what what do you think about this movie? Because obviously, again, as a fan of musicals, I'm sure you really enjoy this one. I do. I love... Pitch Perfect One is is it's one of my favorites. I absolutely love Pitch Perfect One, and I'll be perfectly honest. Pitch Perfect Two came out. Nobody I knew wanted to see it with me. I saw it opening night. It was me and a sea of teenage girls, and and I was just the creeper guy sitting in the back of the theater by myself, just like, yeah, I like this movie too. <laughs> you saw it unironically, so yeah, this is this is an enjoyable one. I think this is one of the better kind of chick flicks out there if you're looking to watch some in the genre but aren't quite a big fan of the unknowns. You just want to see some mainstream ones that audiences have, have grown to love over the years that people really have high praise about. And I think this definitely qualifies for that. So it's enjoyable. There's some fun musical moments in there. And if you don't really enjoy that so much, then maybe... This movie isn't for you with the music side of things, but I think it's very enjoyable. I, I very much enjoy the, the the first two pitch perfect, the third pitch perfect movie. I don't know if you ever they get into like espionage and stuff, and you're like, what? This is a movie about acapella. But the the second one, and that was Elizabeth Banks' um, directorial debut, and, and she, I think at the time I might be making this up, it had the highest domestic opening for a, a female directed movie or whatever. And uh, I, I, I very much enjoy it. Was, it was a worthy follow-up to the first one. All right. So this week we do have another new movie of the week. It's uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which I was able to watch last night. So it's still super fresh in my head. Um, first and foremost, I'll just say I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was the greatest thing in the world. I didn't think it was the worst thing in the world. I just thought it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. That's fair. I'll give you my quick overall assessment of it. And I think it was kind of above average. I think it was a good zombie movie. I think it was a good action movie overall. So I really enjoyed it. I did have some gripes with it, but we'll get into that in a second. But I thought it was a, a good movie. It was a good zombie action heist movie, whatever you want to call it. Right, and I think that's what I kind of I liked most about it was it really wasn't I didn't look at it very much as a zombie a full on zombie movie in the vein of a Resident Evil or even Zack Snyder's original Dawn of the Dead or whatever or the George Romero uh, zombie flicks. This was more of a heist movie with zombies in it. The bad guys were the zombies and everything, and and so the only thing was I went I sat down to watch it yesterday I was like all right cool it's gonna be a good hour and 40 minute movie and then I looked at the time I'm like that's two and a half hours man Zack Snyder really needs to learn some cutting but when I finished it runtime wasn't a problem for me I it wasn't a point in that movie where I said all right speed it along 
I think that's a common complaint that you see that people have with this movie is that it's a little bit too long. It's a little bit too bloated. And I understand that. But for me, I was the same way where the movie didn't really drag. There wasn't parts where you were saying, okay, get on with it. This is boring. Why do we need this? I think it was paced pretty well for a two and a half hour movie. Yeah, I agree with that. And one thing I'll say for Zack Snyder, man, is the dude knows how to do opening sequences. Because I'm thinking about Dawn of the Dead, thinking about Justice League now, Army of the Dead. Uh, I don't really remember 300 or Sucker Punch or any of those, but the guy, he makes these really gnarly uh, prologues before, you know, he gets the credits. The prologues are awesome. They set up the movie perfectly. Every movie I've seen of his, they, it's not boring. They get into what the movie's about awesomely. And then he has kind of these extended credit sequences that sometimes get boring when it's just the credits rolling over. But like his credit sequences are like an entire movie in of themselves to get you to the start of the movie. And so I, when it comes to Zack Snyder, the dude has a gift for opening sequences. I 100% agree, and we're not really going to get into spoilers because obviously this is a brand new movie, so we're not going to say what happens in the prologue or the opening credits or the rest of the movie, but we'll still discuss at different parts, but we'll stay vague. But I think you're 100% right when it comes to Zack Snyder and his openings to his movies and his opening credits to his movies because you look at examples like Batman v Superman, Watchmen, Dawn of the Dead, these movies that grab you from the start and don't let go. And then you have a, a huge source of entertainment during the credits, which a lot of movies just play text over some shots and that's it. But, oh man, the opening credits from Watchmen, the opening scene from Batman v Superman, among others, it just, it, it's insane how much of a talent he has for that. And you're absolutely right. Thank you. I love hearing that last part. Um, <laughs> but um no nah, i mean the movie was good I'm, i i like batista man like he's he's one of those wrestler turned actors but i mean him john cena and the rock are really the only three i can think of who have gone on to like true mainstream success as wrestlers but i like batista man i think he's he does comedy really well like his character drax and guardians is hilarious and then yeah this movie he's more somber it's 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 more of a, it actually is more of a serious character in this movie and I think he nails it. Uh, the casting for this was phenomenal, too. Everybody was really, really good. I will agree with that to a certain extent. And we're, we're going to start to get into, into some of the gripes that I had here, starting with Dave Batista, because I liked him in this role as well. And I think he's actually a pretty good actor. I liked him, even though he had minimal screen time and minimal dialogue in Spectre. And I think that's an, an okay movie. But I really liked Dave Batista's role in that. But... That brings me to my point where I liked him in, in Army of the Dead, but I wish he was given less to say. I feel like Dave Bautista is more effective when he has less lines of dialogue. When you, when you give him paragraphs and paragraphs of things to say, I think you start to see the cracks in his acting ability. So I think he would have been maybe a little bit more effective if he had a little bit less dialogue in this movie where he was more of a quiet, kind of hardened soldier and that maybe fit with his character a little bit more. But I don't mind his acting. But I think when you keep giving him lots of dialogue, that again, you start to see the cracks form a little bit. Uh, I like Batista. I think I, I, I think Batista's a good actor. I enjoy his comedy movies. And I think his uh, his, his monotone-ish delivery, I, he's capable of all different inflections or whatever. I'm, I'm only saying that like when he does his comedy movies, his inflection, his monotone, they play into it really well, which for me adds to the comedy. Granted, Army of the Dead, his character isn't very funny because it's not a very funny movie. It's a movie about you know zombies, but you know this, the relationship between him and his daughter in the movie I thought was pretty well developed and everything to to the point where I I thought Batista was good and I thought the casting as a whole was really good. So that actually brings me to my next point, where I was just going to say to you, what did you think about the rest of the cast because. There are a lot of maybe not household names in this movie. Besides Dave Bautista, I'm not sure if I could really name a lot of the other actors or actresses who were in this movie because, again, it's not really Charlize Theron and Leonardo DiCaprio. It's maybe some unknowns. But I will say before we kind of get into what you thought about the cast that the standout for me in this, and 
if I'm saying her name right, Tig Notaro, I think is how you pronounce her name, but I'm not sure. But she played the chopper pilot. And for me, she was my favorite character in the movie. I think she stole the show. I think she was great in all the scenes that she was in. And it may come as a surprise to hear that she was actually green screened in for a lot of the movie, that she wasn't really actually there with a lot of the cast for the scenes because she actually replaced a pre-existing character that was fired because of sexual misconduct for good reason. And she actually subbed in for that character and I think did an amazing job. Yeah, I like Tig Notaro. I've been a fan of her stand-up forever. She is one of the driest wits. You ever watch her stand-up? It is so dry. That is so freaking hilarious. She is she her check out her stand-up. It is hilarious. Um, so I am a fan of Tig Notaro and actually her wife, Stephanie Allian, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name, but when I lived in LA and I did improv, uh, I saw her wife perform improv almost nightly between Groundlings and Upright Citizens Brigade. She was at a show every night and I was there every night and she is insanely hilarious. So that's a, it's a talented family really just is what I'm saying. And, um, no, Tig Notaro is great. And, and, and I, that's one area where I was, because I knew the backstory with the original actor was Chris D'Elia, a stand-up comedian who I never liked before all the misconduct validations came out. I wasn't a big fan of his and didn't find him very funny. And so she was green screened in and I'll be honest, I could notice it. I noticed you, you saw the camera angles, you saw kind of the, the, the blurry background, the way he shot it, the depth of focus was a little different on her shots and the color grading was a little different on her shots, it seemed. So I was, I was very aware of it, but it didn't take me out of it because like you said, I, I love Tig Notaro. I think if you're not looking for it, I think it's passable. I don't think the average moviegoer is going to be able to distinguish that or really see that out of nowhere for what it is. And I knew that going in. But again, it didn't really take me out of it. I didn't even notice it that much because I'm not sitting there trying to notice bad CGI or bad green screen or anything like that. I just try to stay engrossed in the movie as much as possible. And I didn't really notice it. And I... I don't like to tout my my own talents or whatever, but and I have an eye for filmmaking and for video, so I, it didn't take me out of it. I really enjoyed her part in it, but again, what did you kind of think about the rest of the cast? Because for me, again, she was the standout, but I thought the rest of the cast did a pretty good job as well. Yeah, normally when I see other actors in like a big movie that I've never heard of, you can see that they're trying too hard. And for this one, I didn't think anybody did that. And honestly, there were actors in there who I knew. Garrett Dillahunt, who played the, the uh, I don't know his name, but the Asian guy's head of security. I've been a fan of his forever. He was on a show called Raising Hope. He was in, he was in Looper. He's just a great actor and a hilarious actor in a lot of his comedy stuff. And uh, so I was a fan of seeing him in there. The Asian actor, whose name I can't remember, but the guy who sets the whole story in motion, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, he was, uh, he's, uh, he's a uh, Mortal Kombat. Right. So that actor actually plays Scorpion in Mortal Kombat, the movie that just came out for people who may recognize him. And I'm not going to take a shot at pronouncing his name either, but he did play the businessman that kind of initiated events in Army of the Dead. So for me, when I see a movie where I don't really know a lot of the cast names, I worry a little bit because again, you're not talking about good household name actors. You're talking about people that Sure, they have something to prove with their acting ability, but I always worry a little bit when I see a bigger movie that has a lot of unknown cast members. But with this one, there wasn't really much to worry about in my eyes. No, no. Yeah. I mean, like the one I was really worried about when I saw her was the coyote because I, I wasn't super familiar with her. And that's a role where she, you could potentially fall into the uh, I need to be the tough person in this movie so i'm gonna play it up and i thought she was phenomenal in the movie I, I really i really liked how she played that role she wasn't the uh i know everything big bad tough she was she played it vulnerable with how she treated the zombies inside las vegas she she didn't get like angry or anything there's a point where she gets punched in the face and she kind of like backs up and she just kind of this that's i thought that scene was really good the way it was handled and so like she was the one where i saw her and i was like she, her role can go either way. But now as an actress, I'm like, I look forward to seeing her in more stuff because she was, she, she impressed me very much with her acting. 
Sure. So obviously this is an, an action zombie heist movie, you know, a, a few different genres. So what did you think about the action in this movie? Because I thought there were some really good set pieces. I thought there were some really good character moments. I thought there was some really, obviously a zombie movie, some really gnarly kind of carnage, but but it fit in with the movie. So what did you think about the action in this movie? Yeah, I liked it. I will say I forgot to mention with the actors too was the the daughter in the movie. I was like, who is she from? Because I know I'd seen her before, and she was in Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I don't know if you ever saw that, but I was like, she was really good as well. And that just feeds into the whole thing. The cast is great. But to go back to the action, I read a little bit, you know, a little bit of trivia after the fact, and like apparently Zack Snyder worked with Red, the camera company, to 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 design new cameras to be able to fit on these these vintage canon lenses into the cameras so that he could get these 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 kind of grainy shots or whatever and apparently in the beginning of the movie there's an explosion and they actually destroyed a red camera by by putting it in the car so he could get the inside of this explosion and then they just were lucky enough they were i think they were hoping to god that they didn't destroy the card you know the the, the sd card that had the footage on it and by the luck of God, they found the card, the footage was intact. So there's a scene in the beginning that is the inside of a real explosion. Yeah. Say what you will about Zack Snyder. If you like or don't like his movies or you're so, so on his movies, there's no doubt about his dedication to the craft as a filmmaker. I think he really, really puts a lot of effort into making his films. And I know that seems like a given if you're a director, but there are definitely directors out there that phone it in a little bit and maybe you don't see quite the the artisan approach that some other directors have. And I think Zack Snyder really takes a lot of care when he's making his movies. And that story definitely reinforces that. All right. So there are directors who their films, when you read about you may not like their films, but when you actually read about them or watch any of the behind the scenes stories about them, their technical knowledge is like impressive and say what you will about Zack Snyder or Michael Bay um if you watch behind the scenes stuff about Michael Bay your tech his tech knowledge about cameras and angles and all that stuff is is impressive and I think Zack Snyder falls into that same category where I'm not sure Zack Snyder's ever going to be an Academy Award winning director but the dude can make some gnarly movies with some great shots great visuals he knows his stuff and and that's really what I want to see. I want to see great visuals in a movie. And Zack Snyder in his movies, at least people can agree on that, that visuals are no shortage in his movies. And I didn't really need your Michael Bay propaganda in there, but, you know, let's move on to another part of the movie to discuss where, you know, where do you see the future of this franchise going? Because there's already a couple spinoffs in the works. There's an animated series, and this is obviously a Netflix original movie. So, both these projects are going to be on Netflix, but there's an animated series that's going to cover some of the characters from the movie before the events of the movie. And then there's a spin-off live-action movie that's going to follow the German safecracker with a number of other... It's I think it's called Den of Thieves or Sea of Thieves or something with thieves that's going to come out. And that's going to follow his character on a previous job before the movie as well. So... Are you looking forward to those projects? And if not, what projects do you maybe hope to see to kind of create a franchise out of this movie? Um, I am looking forward. I, I can say that with, whole, with, with honesty. This movie made me excited. I will watch the prequel stuff because this movie was good enough to get me invested in this world. And so that's probably the biggest compliment I can say for the movie. It kept me interested to want to see more. I think I would almost rather see a direct sequel to this movie because, again, no spoilers, but where the ending heads and where some of the characters who are left surviving end up because, spoilers, a couple characters die in this. So, um, But, you know, these prequels, you know, again, it kind of ties back to what we were talking before about these origin story movies where do we really need all this stuff that happens leading up to what we just saw? We know what's going to happen in the future, so... I guess this is purely just to build out the characters a little bit more because, again, do we really need to see all this stuff that came before what just happened? Yeah, 
I mean, I will say animated prequels. I'm not like I think the Matrix did one with the Animatrix or something. I'm not a big fan of animated prequels. I like the live action stuff. So the Safecracker one, who was kind of some of the comic relief in the movie, really. I'll watch that. That's that that one intrigues me. A direct sequel to the movie, yes. And if they really wanted to go all out, Dawn of the Dead, Army of the Dead, you know, let's bring them together. Let's 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 bring Dawn Dawn of the Army of the Dead. So that's another gripe that I had with the movie because when talking about these prequel projects, I liked that character, the German safecracker that you had, and again. The actor's name and the character's name kind of escaped me because, again, they were a little bit of an unknown. But I felt like they were maybe trying too hard to make him the comedic relief. I got what they were going for. And some of the jokes I thought were kind of funny, but I thought they were trying too hard with that character. That they were trying to make some jokes a little too on the nose and that, oh, this character is going to be the forefront of this prequel movie. So we have to make him super funny so people will be invested in it it came across as trying a little too hard i can get that i didn't i i get it only now that you say it when i was watching it i didn't have that same reaction but i i now that you say it i'm like i I understand that point of view so what are some other things that you liked or didn't like about the movie that we haven't really covered yet because it seems like overall you might be a little bit cooler on the movie than I was that you said at the start that you thought it was good not great that I said it was above average I maybe liked it a little bit more so what are some other things that we haven't covered yet that you maybe liked or didn't like about the movie So I think I'll just say like um I think we covered this before maybe with the when we did Dawn of the Dead I'm not a massive zombie movie fan. So that for me, if I were to rank this in the zombie movie pantheon, I'd actually rank this pretty high in terms of zombie. I'd I'd put in the top three zombie movies I think I've ever seen. I, I enjoyed it that much. But because I'm not a massive zombie movie fan, it's still for me, it's like I enjoyed watching it. Will it be something I watch every year? No. But it will be something like, you know, if if another Zack Snyder zombie movie comes out, kind of like I did with Dawn of the Dead. I hadn't seen Dawn of the Dead in probably 10 years before we discussed it a few weeks back. And so I enjoyed going back to watch it and really enjoyed it. And I can see this movie being in that vein. I'll watch it again because I did enjoy it. But zombie movies aren't my aren't my go to. That's fair. It's not for everybody, but I think when done right, a zombie movie can be really great. Like this one, like you clearly enjoyed it. So I think when done right, because we've certainly had some bad zombie movies. And for me, the top of the list of the bad zombie movies is World War Z because it was just so generic and didn't adapt the source material, the excellent source material, if you have a chance to read the book at all. But I think right now what we need is Maybe not even a sequel to this movie. We just need Zack Snyder to make a third zombie movie. We need sort of this Zack Snyder zombie movie trilogy with Dawn of the Dead, Army of the Dead. Even if it doesn't connect to either of those two, I feel like we just need to round it out. We need a third Zack Snyder zombie movie. Right. And and that's a great thing where I'll say Zack Snyder's zombie movies are great because they rely way more on the characters that he is the human characters in the movie than the jump scares or the zombies or whatever i i appreciate it in this movie we had your alpha zombies you had your main zombies you know it, but the zombies weren't like all over the place you know it was like the zombies were cursory characters to the main story of this casino heist and i enjoy a heist movie and this movie was essentially a heist movie with zombies not a zombie movie with a heist so overall if you had to give it a grade thumbs up thumbs down recommended not recommended what would what would you say to people about army of the dead going forward i would definitely recommend it 100 i i would give it a thumbs up grade i'm not very good at i'd go six seven i guess out of ten i'm not i'm never good at those things but like i would definitely recommend it i mean it's just it's a movie that um if it played in theaters, I would go see it in theater. It's a, it's, it, I bet you it looked phenomenal in a big screen. 
Yeah, I'm sure it looked great. It sounded great on a big screen if you were able to see it in the theaters. I'm not quite at that point yet either, but I definitely would have loved to see this on the big screen. And it might get a re-release on the big screen too in the future. So we'll have to see. But I'm with you or I would definitely recommend it to people. If you haven't checked it out yet, or if you're a fan of any of the genres this movie is with Army of the Dead, with a zombie movie, an action movie, a heist movie, I would definitely say that you would definitely enjoy this one. That's going to do it for this week's uh, Life Imitating Movies. Uh, I'd say we covered the gamut from serial killers to, you know, Disney sports movies. So we we really we really covered everything. Uh, had a good new movie to talk about. It's nice to have a good new movie to talk about as opposed to the last one we talked about, which wasn't that good. So uh, it's a solid episode. How about you, Mitch? Absolutely. So that's what we do on the show. We try and talk about a variety and recommend a, a different set of movies to people who may not have heard of some of these or are fans of one genre, but not another. So I think we definitely had it covered this episode with talking about a wide variety of different movies. All right. Yeah. So that's going to do it for week 20 of uh, life imitating movies. Hopefully pick some good movies. Maybe go back and watch them. Army of the Dead recommended two thumbs up if we can quote Siskel and Ebert here. So uh, that'll do it. Take it easy.